When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Uplifting Impact. So excited to be able to be here with all of you today and to be here with our special guest. So we have with us Pavana Marcus J. Collins, who is a native of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He holds a BA in secondary education and history from Lake Forest College and has also earned his master's in education in cultural foundations from UW-Milwaukee. Now, Kwabana's journey to his current role as both the diversity and inclusion advisor for Kohl's corporate offices, go Kohl's, we love Kohl's, um, and also diversity recruitment consultant for bridge builder professional staffing has been a very natural and organic one. He has been a leader and really a servant leader in his career and has been able to demonstrate his passion for all of these topics throughout his professional career. So we are so excited to have you here and to be able to have a conversation with you. So Kwabana, one of the first questions that we like to ask is what brings you joy? Such a great question. Thank you, first of all, for allowing me to be here with you today. I've been waiting for this day for some time. Uh, I've been watching you and your career for, for some time and have always admired the work that you are doing. So Thank you for having me today. Thank um, you. What brings me joy is being able to know that I've I can help other people reach their goals. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be, you know, as a recruiter, you know, I get to help them find their goal of a new employment opportunity to make the money that they want they want to make or to have the impact they want to have in an organization or in the community. And just being able to see the joy that they have reaching their potential, that's what brings me joy. And I think that goes back to that, more of that servant leadership style that I have around, you know, again, making sure that people, you know, the barriers are not in their way, making sure that they have all the resources they need, making sure that they're exposed to, you know, things that they wouldn't normally be exposed to. You know, you think about Kohl's, you think about clothes, but Kohl's has, you know, over a thousand technology positions up around the country. So, you know, I want to make sure people know that. And so they like, oh, really? I can work there and do what I love doing? Absolutely. Come on and join the team. So just being able to see people, you know, reach their goals and be successful is what brings me joy. You know, Beyond I- my wife and my daughter. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? It's like the same for me. I love watching people thrive. Mm -hmm. When you see somebody really get into a space where they can just be their full self and do the thing. And, you know, that's, there's something that's so, there's nothing better. I feel like than than that. I'm going to date myself. Uh, It's like the last dragon and Bruce Bruce Leroy, when he says, you know, (laughs) I'm the master and he gets the glow himself. It's it's just amazing to see people catch their glow and whatever field that they're doing. 
I love that. Catch their glow. And that's what you do, right? And in a recruiting role, those are the moments where you get to help somebody make the connection between the things that they're really passionate about and and what they love to do and what they enjoy doing and what they've Mm -hmm. spent their lives trying to get better at doing to some place that really shows their values, right? Where they can show up and and to do that work completely. So help help me understand a little bit, right? (laughs) Education into diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm always curious, like what was the pathway and and how did that translate, that work in education? How does it translate in what you do in in the DEI space? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, When you talk about exposure to different opportunities, you know, growing up in Milwaukee, um, we didn't have a whole lot, first generation college student. And we didn't have, I didn't have exposure to different career fields. So, you know, that typical, you know, inner city, very isolated doctor, teacher, lawyer, uh, there's engineer, just some of those real more mainstream career fields. So I went to college to be a veterinarian because um, I loved animals and I didn't really know what else there was that you could do as a career when you loved animals. Yeah. Um, I ended up not being very good in that space. And um, I had a teacher in high school that kind of had been throwing out these little jabs like, you ever thought about being a teacher? You should be a teacher. You ever thought about being a teacher? And I always said no. It was never even a something to consider. But then I took an anthropology class, sociology anthropology class in college, and I realized that there's a, you know, I really got to learn more about cultures, which for me, you know, culture is what I I clung on to because I'm mixed, you know, black and white. Grew up in a time when we weren't very popular. I wasn't black enough to be black. I obviously wasn't white. So I just grabbed onto cultural elements of different communities. And so um, once I got to college and, and realized I could study cultures, I said, well, maybe I can teach history from a cultural perspective. Mm. And so that's why I got my degree in secondary education and history, because I wanted to teach, you know, a cultural representation of history. And so culture was always about, about it. I traveled around the world with 700 college students and went to 10 countries in one semester. Oh my gosh. Uh, absolutely. It was awesome. Highly recommended to any college student who's listening to this, go look at semester at sea. And that just really expanded my, my mind around culture and what it really meant to understand other cultures and how to interact and be around other cultures. Cause the college students were from all across the U S so that was like the time when I really realized that, you know, back then we called it multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's evolved into diversity and inclusion, but that's where I felt myself at home. That's where I felt like I belonged was where there was not homogeneity because I didn't feel like I had one identity myself. Yeah. And so I think over time that just kind of, from a recruitment standpoint, I was you know, always really good with connecting with people as a result. And eventually I started moving into the diversity recruitment space and then into the overall, you know, DNI space because what's the good of getting a bunch of highly talented diverse individuals if they go into an organization that doesn't welcome and value that them as individuals where mm-hmm. people can't be their true self, which I'll say that's Probably the number one goal of our DNI work at Coles is to make sure that people can bring their truest, truest, authentic self to work every day, 
and not feel like they have to mask themselves outside of the COVID mask. <laughs> that that one that one is different. Yeah, I I get it. And you know what? I think that that's so that's so beautiful because I you know, being a biracial person myself, just kind of understanding like how in many ways that has shaped my, my desire to want to learn more, not just about myself, but also about others that there was like, there's something kind of fundamental about who, who I am that I think comes from the fact that I was trying to make sense of it. And Mm -hmm. also was so it created like curiosity about others. Like, well, what is your background and what's your culture, right? There's like, Exactly. There, yeah, for sure. That's really interesting. So, I, I guess one of the um, the things that I'm also interested in is just thinking about this world of recruitment. One mm-hmm. of the big questions that we always get is how do we make sure that we are putting ourselves in a position where we are really bringing in people from different backgrounds or who have some of this multicultural, you know, uh, uh, candidates. What does it look like to you? And what are some of the common themes that you have seen to be really like successful in recruiting people who come from all over the world and and helping them find their place in a big institution? Yeah, so what's what's interesting is I I look at it as the the, what I call the four hours, maybe five hours. So, Uh oh, everybody, put your pen, write it down. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) So you've got recruitment, retention reputation and representation. And then that fifth pseudo uh, R is resources. So Mm -hmm. a lot of companies have, you know, a focus on recruitment and then they realize that they have to do something about retention. A lot of that has to do with, you know, the representation that they see within the organization. And then it's the reputation that they have in the community. You know, are they giving back? Are they engaged? Or are they, you know, in some cases, you know, are they just soaking up the resources? Are they just getting people to, you know, buy their goods and services, but not putting anything back into the community? Mm. So um, when fi- a lot of times, and what research has said that I've seen is people want to f- work for an organization that, um, they one, that they can have impact on, and two, that has a positive environment. And so when we think about retention, you know, like you said, can a mixed kid like us, go into a Kohl's and just be us, you know, and not have to worry about wearing, you know, the veil or or the worrying about our double consciousness as the boys would uh, talk about in uh, over a hundred years ago. That is still many times is the case today. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is important when it comes to recruitment and diversity recruitment is you know, from that representation standpoint, like, you know, there there is a reality that Black professionals would like to see a Black recruiter. Mm. And Latino or Latinx professionals would like to see a Latinx recruiter. If that's the face of the organization and it the face never looks like you, then we're going to make an assumption that I'm going to be the only one when I go there. Mm-hmm. And so I think A lot of companies don't think about that part. And the last thing is really the culture once they get there, Mm. right? So do they have business resource groups? You know, we just had a conversation with our interns uh, from a BRG standpoint, and it was an amazing conversation. I think that's so critical to engaging people because it's like uh, one of the statements that came up was, 
my BRG is my HBCU. Yeah. So I did my graduate work on a two-year study on why students choose HBCUs. Mm. And, you know, that research says that it, they feel like they can be themselves. They have less stressors. They have more people encouraging them uh, than they do in other institutions. And, and so when you have a BRG at an organization that you personally can identify with, you're able to kind of find a space where you don't have to have that extra anxiety. And that really pulls away from your work productivity, yeah. right? And so you can bring all of the experience from a professional standpoint, all of your intellectual capacity to the work itself. Yeah. I think that's so important to have those spaces, even if it's not called a BRG, if it's a ARG or a council or an affinity group, just having that space for people what I think is equally important in, in, court, in our current situation is the power of allyship mm-hmm. and making sure that our organization, that that ground is fertile. So you can sow all the seeds, you can plant all the seeds you want, but if the, the ground isn't fertile, you won't get anything, no matter how much water or sun you give it. If right. the ground isn't fertile, it's not going to grow. So allyship is the key to having fertile soil for diverse individuals to thrive in an organization. I agree. I mean, that's why we do the How to Be an Ally Summit, right? Because we know Mm -hmm. that like in order for organizations to thrive and for these ideas and these practices and the principles and all this work and energy and conversations and all that, for all of it to thrive, you have to have really fertile ground. You have to have people who will stand in the space and and help sow those seeds, right? And make sure that Mm -hmm. there's there's fertile ground and make sure that people are watering it and and kind of all, we need everybody to be part of it. This is not just a a small mm-hmm. team that sits over here and they, they do that DEI work. No, this is what right. we all do. It cannot be siloed. It must be fully integrated into an organization. A- absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, this is a little sidebar, but I, I'm going to share it. And I, I don't really tell a lot of people this, but now I'm going to tell everybody on the podcast, but I okay. have a really strong like affection for Coles because as a child, I was invited to participate and be one of Cole's models. So I, I would get to be like in, in the mm-hmm. magazines and, you know, do, do things and get to wear the clothes and, and, and do all the things. I remember one time I was doing a back to school special and I was jump roping and I feel like I was probably out there for 10 minutes, but in my mind, the way I remember it, I was like out there for five hours, just jump roping, you know, I'm sure that wasn't, wasn't the case. I think I might remember that ad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause I always, anytime I looked at an ad, I always looked for, for the Brown kids, you know, but I look for somebody who looked like me in the, in the, in the ads. And I, I think that that was like, so, so powerful. Like one, it was like powerful and experience to be around, you know, adults and kind of have this professional experience <laughs> too. It really helped me to be the first in my family to go to college. Right. Because th- that was how I supported myself and, you know, and how my parents kind of paved that pathway for me. But the other reason why it was so important is because they had enough foresight, right. As an organization that, like you said, it wasn't popular to have mixed race kids. And there was a lot of pieces that were like, you are too light. You're too dark. You're too mm-hmm. whatever. Your hair is too curly. Mm-hmm. Well, to think about it. It, it wasn't until the seventies that, or until the late sixties that it was even legal. Right. So, so, so here, so here we are right in this situation. And I remember how important it was for me to do that and have that experience. But what was most important about it was being able to feel like, no, somebody saw me, right? And and saw that I had value and also respected that there was other children. So mm-hmm. Cole's 
being in this space, at least in my, from my perspective and kind of my interaction, this is not like a new thing. This has been something that has been an ongoing thing. And it's the way that I, I think that's why I think so fondly, you know, for many reasons, all the wonderful people I've gotten to meet and work with, but also because I have that, that experience. And, and I mm-hmm. had that as a child, but yeah, I, I, I get to show up, right. I, the way I look and I, and even though it's different and all the, the way I look like matters too. And, and that was mm-hmm. one of my, some of my earliest experiences in the professional world was actually was with Cole. So there you go. Got to, I told you a little secret. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> now, 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 the team's gonna, now the team's going to want to uh, share a picture. I almost, I know exactly what that question is going to be. <laughs> We're going to have to go to the archives. <laughs> go to a real archives, real archives here. <laughs> but I'm so, so glad that you were able to just share some of that with us. I think one of the other questions I have is really thinking about, you know, you have people and teams who are trying to figure out like, what is the right blend of staff, right? We don't want to just bring people in and check boxes and do all that because we know that's problematic. And we do want to have, you know, some, some diversity in, in our thoughts and, and we want to create that inclusion. Share the analogy you shared with me before. The whole, yeah, everybody sure. needs to hear this. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, you know, a lot of people will talk about diversity and inclusion where, Diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is, you know, being asked to dance. And I have a little bit different variation on that is diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to be a part of the planning committee and being longingness is being able to let your body move however the music makes you move and feeling comfortable doing it. I love that. I love that. And I know (laughs) so many people are going to start using it. I'm going to start using it too. But um one of the things that I think people are wondering about is like, how do you create that space as somebody who's responsible for, for HR? How do you create that space where everyone, you can have a blend of different people coming from different backgrounds and everyone feels respected and valued. What, what are your tips there? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have a good balance of internal and external talent. So a lot of times organizations, and it makes sense from a logistical and historical standpoint, you know, your interns are going to be, when you think about recruitment, uh, if you just recruit your interns, there you save like 500% of your salary, uh, uh, salary wages to recruit other people if you can just convert your interns, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and then from there, you've already invested a year or two. You want to continue to get them to prom- be promoted throughout the organization. It's also another benefit to be able to say, hey, we promote from within, which Mm -hmm. means there's opportunity, which is all well and good. But there's a there's a double a little bit of a double edged sword in that that you could fall into groupthink and you get a situation where maybe you do bring in an external uh, talent and they come with new ideas. And because most of your team is internal, the response is, well, that's not how we do it here or. Um, just wait, just wait and get to know us for the way we do things first here before you share your ideas. Well, those are missed opportunities. So my tip is to have, be conscious around the percentage of internal versus external. Sure. Continue to be majority internal because it, there are so many benefits to that, but anywhere between, you know, a third and half of your ta- your positions, I'd recommend filling those with externals. So that becomes a part of the culture of, you know, having different ideas are going to come on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's going to force us to have positive conflict. And in order to do that, we have to have a safe mental space as well. So 
have an organizational culture where that you have that safe mental space and you're bringing in talent from multiple different lenses to to help make sure that you don't get caught up in in your blinders and caught up in you know there's those pictures that there's a picture that's a frog and a horse depending on how you look at it right but if your team is all horses you're going to miss all the frog opportunities and you're going to miss all the frog uh pitfalls right so you want to intentionally find frog people and horse people i mean what other note could we end on <laughs> how many frogs and horses do you have right like you <laughs> I like that, this that's my homage to my original major as a pre-vet major <laughs> i see i see that veterinarian ism is still is still in you it's we're, we're feeling it. but i i would have preferred you know if you use the elephant since that's our our company <laughs> True. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I work on that imagery. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But no, really, I, I do appreciate that because I, I haven't heard people talk about that distinction and even thinking about the internal and external and, and what your percentages are. So I think that's a really good question to ponder. And it might even be data that you could look at, right? Like, how, how do we do that? And what are our current percentages and, and why? And, and really like kind of drilling into that a little bit more mm-hmm. to understand how our organization and where some of those places might be that that's a really, really good data point for people. If you don't have it already to actually go back and try and get that data point and monitor it, right. Watch, watch how it's growing. So I feel like this has just been a a lovely conversation. It's been so nice to be able to connect with you. So many gems in this conversation and including the the frog and horse gem, but also thinking about this idea of fertile ground and and what that looks like. So thank you so much for being with us. Kwabana, if there's other people who are looking to like connect with you, see what you're recruiting for, because now they're excited about working with Coles or just to kind of follow you, what's what's the pathway for them to do that? Yeah, you know, I'm always on LinkedIn. That's the best way, by by and large, to catch me. You can always catch me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. So we'll make sure that we put your LinkedIn link into our show notes, but just want to say thank you so much for being here with us. I think it's so important to be able to have these kinds of conversations. We here at Uplifting Impact feel very strongly that if we are having these kinds of conversations, we're we're pushing ourselves to really think about these ideas of what it looks like to pull our teams together. I mean, recruitment is huge right now, right? Everybody is struggling struggling with with Mm -hmm. recruitment. And and how do we do that in a way that is intentional, that really has this inclusion as part of our intentional strategy? So thank you so much for all of you joining us here today. We ask that you go ahead and share the podcast information with a friend, with a colleague, with somebody in your family, somebody in your community, because we know that the more people who are thinking in these ways, who are really pressing their thoughts, the more impact we can uplift. So thank you. And we'll see you on the next show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.